welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. My name is Matthew Dawkins, and you join me here today for another round table episode. This table is round because it focuses on another one of our lovely, lovely World of Darkness games. As you are probably aware, it is World of Darkness Month at Onyx Path. Every single month we're dedicating to a different game. And right now, we're looking at Werewolf the Apocalypse for this episode. Werewolf the Apocalypse, which we recently kickstarted a capstone book for, if you like, by the name of Apocalyptic Record, which fulfills much of the same function of Beckett's Jihad Diary did for Vampire the Masquerade. It did very well. We're very happy with how that went. And it went on to fund several stretch goals, uh, including one some of these authors who are with me here today contributed to. Otherwise, they may have co-developed Apocalyptic Record. They may have written on it. Or they may have written with me on other projects, too. I think each of the smiling faces that are with me today have worked with me on multiple projects at this point in some capacity or other. Now, because it's World of Darkness Month, it means something rather special for fans of the World of Darkness, and that is that books are on sale. For Onyx Path's 10th anniversary, it's a 10th, 10th anniversary, for our 10th anniversary, we are reducing the cost of certain selected books down to 10% of their regular retail price through DriveThruRPG. We announce which books are going on sale every single week on the Onyx Path blog, so at theonyxpath.com. Do check that out, because every week those books will change. So without trying to sound too much like a salesman, don't hesitate. If you see something reduced to the low, low price of $1.99 or similar, buy it while you can at that price, because before you know it, it will shoot back up again as people found with Dystopia Rising Evolution, when that went on sale in January. And now, well, as of time of recording, it's Dystopia Rising Evolution's supplement source books that are at 90% off. But, needless to say, notwithstanding, never let it be said, I'm rambling on a little too much, so let's get on to our guests. First up, I have, with great honour, my co-developer, from Wealth, the Apocalypse 20th Anniversary Edition, The Apocalyptic Record. Easy for you to say, with a mouthful of marbles. Leith Shields. So, Leith, tell us who you are and what you're doing. Uh, hello, Matthew. Thank you very much for a wonderful introduction. Uh, as you said, my name's Leith Shields. Uh, currently working on Trinity Continuum products. Uh, I've still got uh, Mission Statements, which is a big book of organizations working its way through the pipeline. I'm putting together some outlines for projects that haven't been announced yet, so I won't uh, go into too much detail on what they are. Um, and the most recent uh, World of Darkness property that I was working on was, of course, Apocalyptic Record, uh, alongside yourself developing that, and then developing the Icons of Rage stretch goal that came out of that, which is the big book of characters to drop into Chronicles, uh, antagonists, allies, you know, spanners in the works, all manner of great characters in there expanding uh, both on people we saw within the apocalyptic record and those who are new to that product. So I will turn the mic over to someone else now. Well, just before you do, and yes. uh, thank you very much, everyone else, for waiting. I just wanted to ask a quick question about Icons of Rage because it's something I've been asked. Uh, this is one of the books, as you say, we funded it as a stretch goal based on Apocalyptic Record doing so well on Kickstarter. 
Is Icons of Rage a book a sort of a la Children of the Night that contains well-known werewolves, hence Icons, or is it a mixture of uh, Albrecht's all the way through to people you may never have heard of before? Absolutely, that second one. So it is a it is a mixture of the well-known characters that uh, you know and love from you know, 20, 30 years of Werewolf the Apocalypse, plus a whole bunch of characters that we introduced uh, in the Apocalyptic Record that you may not have known before the Kickstarter, as well as some new, brand new characters who uh, fill out their niches, uh, provide some great opportunities for, for people to drop them into their games, and I see it as, as either antagonists, allies, just people they meet, contacts they want to talk to. Uh, you know, they're all fleshed out with their uh, their backgrounds, their their drivers, their motivators, uh, their abilities. So, no, I'm really excited about this book. But, yes, um, we couldn't fit every possible character in, obviously, from 30 years of werewolf history, but we packed a lot in there. Yeah, something I like to tell people about these character books, whether it's this, Children of the Blood for V5, or other similar products, is to look at these characters almost like lore sheets or backgrounds you would put on a character's sheet. It's all very well to have three or four dots in allies or mentor or similar, but using this book, you can basically pull one from uh, from the canon and start incorporating them into your character background, which uh, makes it useful for players as well as for storytellers. I think there's a, a common mistake that uh, books like this serve only the storyteller, but there's lots of player information in there too. So, uh, moving on. Moving on to my next guest at this roundtable. You will have heard them before if you listen to the Mage Roundtable. Uh, I don't know which order these are coming out in, so maybe I have been caught in a paradox loop myself. Uh, or if not, you will hear their voice on the Mage Roundtable coming up. See how I've covered myself there. We have Hiromi Kota. Greetings. We meet again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Hiromi Kota. I'm the line developer for Scion. Uh, I develop and write uh, and do cultural consulting for way more things than I ever realize until I sit down and like update my credits and go, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of those daunting things, isn't it? When you go on DriveThruRPG and search for your name or if you've got a website and have a credits page. I was... Uh... Yeah, I was updating uh, my website the other day with my resume, and uh, a humble brag here. I was, <laughs> I was thinking, oh God, no one's going to read through all of this crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, what have you been working on lately, Hiromi? Uh, so lately, they came from Classified. They came from uh, the Cyclopses uh, Cave. Uh, I can see, I can hear you're going through your own filing system. I appreciate you being so organized. Lore of the Traditions, uh, Tales of Depravity, uh, Trinity Adventure, sorry, Trinity Adventure, Trinity Adventure, uh, Quick Start, uh, Cyan Whispers in Darkness, uh, Realm Walker, which is for an independent company, um, Avatar Fire and Brimstone, which is for Avatar Legends, Mage, uh, Bizarre Tale, sorry, Victorian Mage, uh, Bizarre Tales and Unusual Characters, also Victorian Mage, Weird Wonders, and Revolutionary Magic. 
Howl's of the Apocalypse, which is my only werewolf credit. Uh, maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't change in like the next few months, because according to my projections, I'm doing something like six or seven Kickstarters in the next six months. So, oh boy, do I not need work right now yeah you certainly later I'll, I'll happily accept it but not now certainly sounds like you have a full <laughs> plate of uh, projects right now uh, and uh, it's you know largely down to that extensive list of credits that i got in touch with you for working on howls of apocalypse i know you can write a good scenario and was confident you'd be able to handle werewolf and yeah we will we will talk about that we'll talk about that later on in the round table uh, because i also have another author from Howls of the Apocalypse on this call. Uh, it is someone I dearly love working with. They always turn in fantastic work. Uh, always a pleasure to read the often, shall we say, sometimes creepy, not, not in a creepy way, but creepy as in scary thoughts that leak from their mind onto the page. Uh, this is Cat Evans. I'm sure I don't know what you mean, Matthew. I am nothing but an innocent and humble word shoveler. No, that's that's completely untrue. Uh, but perhaps you could perhaps you could tell the listeners what you really are. Uh, yes, I am the monster behind uh, many of your favourite World of Darkness books. Uh, at least they'd better be your favourites, otherwise I will find out where you live. Uh, I have most recently worked on Lord of the Traditions and Howls of the Apocalypse, which is actually my first and now probably my last since it's the capstone werewolf credit you may also know me from uh they came from beyond the graves chilling jump start the haunting of abbeyham priory which is a delightful gory romp through a convent full of satanic nuns um honestly i can't think what matthew might mean by creepy and weird <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, speaking it of... seems perfectly normal to yeah. me. Unfortunately, 100% normal. Yeah, unfortunately, I think all of us have written something creepy or weird at some point in our professional writing industry, that, let's say. Uh, and uh, all credit to you, Kat, because uh, they came from Beyond the Graves' jumpstart, uh, the haunting of Priory and Abbey, or Abbey and Priory. It has done very, very well. It's always wonderful to see a jump start uh, capture the imagination of the audience. Yes, people keep playing it, which mm. is mildly terrifying. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's not an easy thing to write a good scenario. It's funny, in this industry, we often assign new writers to write scenarios, and they don't necessarily understand uh, the best structure, uh, or it, it's, it's very hit and miss whether a pre-written scenario is successful, but I am I feel like this one has been. So, kudos to you. Thank you. And finally, finally, and last but by no means least, having to wait in silence for longer than ten minutes. I'm so sorry to have made him wait for this long, but I can assure all of you listeners that it is worth it. Because I have my co-developer from They Came From the Cyclops' Cave, also contributing author to the apocalyptic record. I have Michele Masala. Michele, how are you doing? And yeah, tell, tell us a little about why you think you're here. 
Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, but uh, yes, I think I'm here because, uh, as Matthew said, I work on the Apocalyptic Record. And uh, I think those my parts went uh, reasonably well. So I was uh, invited to speak about uh, Apocalypse, and which, as that project proved, uh, is one uh, of my favorite lines from the World of Darkness. So I'm more than happy to be here and rant about the Garu and their world. Uh, and as Matthew said, I'm also one of the developers on They Came From the Cyclops, Cyclopsis Cave. I also wrote from They Came From Classified, uh, Mummy, the Curse, second edition, and uh, for one of the starter stretch goals for They Came From Beyond the Grave, Heroes in the World of World, which I think is getting to backers at the time of the recording. Uh, so... That's me. <laughs> I don't have um, any much uh, to say. At the moment, I'm mostly busy with uh, community content for the um, Story Path Nexus, the, pro the Onyx Path uh, community program of books and everything. Lovely. Okay, well, we might speak about the Story Path Nexus soon. For anyone who is unaware, as you just uh, pointed out, Macaulay, uh the Story Path Nexus is our Storytellers Vault, our DMs Guild, our Miskatonic repository, I think, or library. Uh, now, uh, one thing I like to point out to listeners who may be unaware, people who are interested in getting into this industry, is writing a product for the Story Path Nexus is a damn good way of getting our attention. It's not a guarantee of getting hired, but you'll get our attention because we like to look at uh, books that are released for the games that we are actively developing. So if you have an idea, whether you're skilled at layout uh, or not, uh, to be honest, you could release a book of six pre-written characters, just character sheets with some bios attached and put them up on the Story Path Nexus. Uh, it shows that you are committed to being able to see a project all the way through, but also it uh, earns you money because uh, you earn a cut from everything sold on the Nexus. So there's my quick plug there for the Nexus. Now, moving back to Werewolf. Uh, so I'm going to ask the, the, the killer question here. And I'm going to direct it to Leith, first of all. And it's not going to be, how did you get into Werewolf? Unless you want to say that. Um, it's more going to be, where do you think a game like Werewolf the Apocalypse... Well, no, no, I'll rephrase it. Do you think Werewolf the Apocalypse is a relevant game for today's industry? Do you think it is a game that still has the zeitgeist, the, the I guess, does it clasp onto the feelings of outrage that it did during the early to late 90s? Leith Shields. Oh, well, Matthew, is it is it relevant today? Have you noticed that we are now entering our third year of 2020, uh, that the environment does not seem to be getting any better, that... Uh, you know, we're constantly tuning into news cycles of politicians putting profit over uh, climate, that we are looking at, you know, another story about what a corporation's done the wrong thing. Uh, we're dealing with uh, misinformation. We're dealing with, uh, you know, popular opinion uh, outweighing scientific 
process and and uh, reporting. So yes, I think absolutely. I do not want to bring this to be a downer, and I apologise if I have made it feel that way. Um, but I think yeah, absolutely. Werewolf the Apocalypse is completely relevant uh, to, to gamers today. I think it has changed from what it was when it was first released. And I think uh, and we captured some of that in the apocalyptic record. Like I remember when I got into Werewolf um, first edition, uh, just when it was published and, you know, you had uh, the Amazon rainforests and uh, things like that uh, were, were the environmental messages of the time. And definitely those things have evolved and changed and we are looking at a different world now. But as I said at the beginning of this this tirade, uh, things haven't necessarily gotten better and that's the perfect place to to put your werewolves in. If anything, if I'm running a, a game of Werewolf the Apocalypse now, we are, you know, seconds to midnight from the apocalypse. We are so much closer than we were 30 years ago in terms of the world of darkness and and you know those those rays of hope we might see in the real world, you know, you extinguish those for your world of darkness game, and you just put the the guru there, and you say, what what have you got to lose now? You, know, you are at the apocalypse. You should be throwing everything at it. So I will admit it was something of a loaded question. About to, <laughs> uh, but to follow it up, then I guess um, sometimes if I was feeling glib, I would say, so you're, what you're saying is the red talons were right. And we should have been uh, culled a long time ago. But let's uh, let's look at it a little more sensibly. Looking at all the tribes, their various philosophies on the world, some of them more aggressive than others, and knowing that you have to put them together to make a whole vision, even it, though it may be somewhat distorted through time and various rage-based incidents, mm-hmm. which tribe has the right of it today in your mind? Oh, now that is that is the difficult question because my default, I, I know I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon when it comes to the guru. My default is that none of them have it right, and they they all default to looking at uh, at every problem as a nail. It's just a slightly different shaped nail, and they have a bigger or smaller hammer. Um, but if I'm and I think the red talons were definitely probably not not right because you know if they had wiped out humanity way back then, I'm sure something else would have gone wrong. Um, but which I tend to gravitate towards, oh, look, my natural inclination is the glass walkers. I tend to gravitate to them because I like technology and I, I like to, I come from a science background. I like to think that uh, technology and, and brains and humans thinking through problems can actually get us out of, out of problems. And I like to think that they can come, can bring together Weaver, uh, Wild and, and Overcome Worm. Um, but often I don't, necessarily play glass walkers i like to to go off into strange um directions and you know go children of gaia or or silent striders and just be looking at the problem and and thinking that's a nice problem let's contemplate that problem for a bit because it can it it adds to the drama (laughs) and doesn't necessarily get anything done which is uh uh the opposite of what i was saying that your guru need to be doing but then you kick them into gear and you see what they're what they're capable of so from Leith's view, it's all looking fairly dire for humanity right now. This would be the uh, headline. If I were a tabloid journalist, I would just take that away. <laughs> Encapsulate everything you've said as the apocalypse is coming, Leith Shields. Just, 
Just have a just have that dumpster fire meme going nonstop, twenty four seven. But with with a message like that, uh, it it can be very easy to beat your players down uh, and certainly destroy not only their characters' morale during play, but but also make players feel utterly hopeless. So I look to Hiromi, uh, the voice of optimism, to tell me where do you find hope in a game like Werewolf the Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> First you start with an ominous uh, laugh. That always bodes well. Uh, <laughs> hope in Werewolf the Apocalypse. Uh, well, I suppose the the hope is that, um, or rather, the, the signs of hope and where you can find hope is in that you actually get to do something about it. Like, the the world's on fire sometimes literally like environmental collapse social collapse it's it's all looking nearish in werewolf it's even closer to being right now but you can actually do something about it that has like real tangible effects in in real life, you you can still do things, you can still have an impact, but it's much harder to feel like you are doing something, like you're having a huge uh, effect on the world. Whereas in Werewolf, you could be like, oh, so NDL's over there doing horrible things, and we can just like set them on fire or eat them or both. Like, you can actually remove environmental threats physically mm. and viscerally and like I don't know that it's healthy that you get all of your hope from that kind of a source uh, but you asked me where you can find hope in Werewolf and that's kind of like the richest vein there okay well so, so that that for me is uh, hope from a very from a very selective quarter uh, that this isn't to um, say that your point of view is wrong at all um, quite the contrary that is for me through my experience through well very much the the get of Fenris silver fang shadow lord way of you know we will we will achieve hope through triumph we will we will beat back the the forces of the worm through tooth and claw if we must uh, but that is the way we are going to basically reinvigorate our people uh, and I I turn to Cat in that case and say is there are there any other places or is our werewolves destined to basically be these creatures of battle uh, that can only right the world's wrongs by cutting them up and, as Hiromi says, cooking and eating them, with the cooking part being optional. To which I say to you, have you heard of the bone gnawers? Um, I've always really identified with the bone gnawers, which is a funny thing to say, I guess. But Leith is 100% right. The apocalypse is here. The world is on fire. Um, corporations seem absolutely destined and absolutely determined to you know, roast whatever they can over the flames for profit. But when the fires go out and when there's nothing left, there'll still be cockroaches. There will still be hardy, determined life among the ruins. And that's what the bone gnawers represent. They are, and other Garu, if other Garu would ever listen to them, 
are that patient, steadfast, we're going to survive and we're going to continue to fuck you up message, which I think is just as exciting to me as the um, going down in a blaze of glory, silver fangs and get a feathers approach. Okay, so hope through survival. We will outlast you. Uh, that's a that's a that's a bold message. It's a it, yeah. I know. I quite like that one. And you're right. It does sound very bone nor ish. So as I'm enjoying this conversation thread so much, I'm going to post the same thing to Michaeli. Where do you look for hope in Wealth the Apocalypse? And I guess to turn it more to. Uh, writing, uh, assignments you may have had, books you've worked on, such as Apocalyptic Record. How do you communicate that hope in a way that a storyteller can use it or players can use it? Uh, I think in Werewolf uh, it's a matter of scope because, uh, as all my esteemed colleagues said before, things look dire all around in Werewolf and uh, it's hard to find a single tribe who has it right because the Garu are defined be, uh, more from uh, for being uh, wrong on a lot of uh, things though I'll agree with Kat that the Bonoers probably align the best with uh, how I had approach uh, the apocalypse on uh, this in this modern world but I think that um, in situations so dire in settings so Grim and uh, mostly hopeless, or at least uh, how hopelessness uh, eats you in the head, like basically most of the days. Uh, I think that uh, you'll find hope in uh, the gestures that don't happen on the scale on the scale of battlefields, but rather on uh, uh, your more personal. Uh, perspective uh, that uh, the garu uh, can find hope uh, in knowing that uh, the the enemies they defeat the threats they stop uh, are threats that uh, won't or hurt people any longer that uh, yes that there are still enemies uh, on a wider scale but that that person right there uh, will have uh, the hope to heal and live and uh, be happy for today and maybe tomorrow too because uh, of something you made. And uh, there's uh, hoping that it's relevant to some of my inspirations I follow when I wrote from the Apocalyptic Record and that uh, mm, the opportunity to uh, heal and uh, endure and survive and maybe even fight back in uh, uh, werewolves comes uh, from that. There's a, uh, I'm going to weave the deep cuts right here, but uh, as much as I'm conflicted about uh, Warren Ellis Comics Transmetropolitan right now, my favorite page from the whole comic is uh, one, it's it's a different setting, but it's not a, an idealistic setting, is where the protagonist uh, buys a little kid uh, her plushie that her mother had to sell. And she smiles about that. And Spider Jerusalem is a trash person for a lot of reasons, but that little kid is happy, and Spider knows she's happy because he reached out to her and tried to make her little life a little better. And I tried to put that feeling into my work in the apocalyptic record as well. 
and I think about that's about it. Is that the theme of healing is basically in all my section in the apocalyptic record. The uh, yeah, uh, as you were saying this in our little uh, panelists chat, we've got a roar of applause going up for Transmetropolitan and Spider Jerusalem. Um, it's uh, you know we should say uh, outright it's. Uh, you know, it's an unfortunate caveat to have to make, but uh, one should make it anyway. Uh, we all know about or have heard about the various things Warren Ellis has been accused of or admitted to at this point, which is uh, certainly a, a very nasty stain on a great body of work and um, not to mention the harm he has done to uh, lots of people. Uh, but one can hope that certainly the whatever good he wrote in books like Transmetropolitan, uh, you know, I have all of them. Uh, I have a lot of Warren Ellis material still stands up. And Spider Jerusalem is a very werewolf the apocalypse kind of character, a bit ragabash like in in his method. Uh, you know, it's very much a dismantle things piece by piece and make you and humiliate you while you're doing it. Uh, essentially, make you your own worst enemy through minor actions rather than firing a rocket launcher. Though sometimes a bowel disruptor comes in handy. Now, while uh, McKaylee was speaking, and I don't know whether it was intentional, people were just having fun with the widgets on Zencaster. I've seen hands popping up. Uh, so I'm hoping there's going to be some kind of interruption here. Leith and Cat, your hands are being waving. Uh, so let's let's go to let's go to Cat first because I've been going to Leith first all the time. Cat, uh, was there something you wanted to say? Yes, I just wanted to pick up on what Mich- Michele said about scope. Uh, I like to write werewolves as very territorial because they're you know they're not just humans who become super strong. They're humans who also have aspects of the wolf and aspects of the spirit and i think it's i think it also speaks to werewolves as grassroots campaigners sound so political but grassroots actors um you don't change the world you pick a very small part of the world and you make that better you make your part of the world better and you take responsibility for it and it's not just um, it's not just a limiting factor. It's not just like, well, you can only ever hope to succeed on this very small scale. It's you can make serious, major, long-lasting change on this scale, and that's the kind of goal that you should be subscribe you should be subscribing to. Well, very well put. And what about you, Leaf? Uh, you had something to say? Yes, I uh, thank you, Matthew. I wanted to to tie together the um, the answers from both uh, or from Harumi Cat and McKaylee, um that I thought it was wonderful synthesizing them all together. Where the hope is found in werewolf. I mean, you've got as as Harumi says, you've got the power to enact change. And that's what a lot of people don't have these days. And this is where you find hope. You've got the power you've got the ability to survive i mean you are a big tough nine foot tall don't take shit from no one werewolf who has a very good chance of surviving this stuff and you can rebuild you are going to be here when the chips are down once you've fought through it to to rebuild to to figure out what comes next and yeah, to put a very small plug in and minor spoiler for one of the characters we have in the Icons of Rage, um, one of them actually believes that the apocalypse has come and gone. 
and they are in the rebuild phase now and they are trying to bring people together to rebuild. You know, things are still not great, but in any post-apocalypse, there's going to be a period of not great. You don't just come through an apocalypse and go, well, that was done. Everything's back to sunshine and roses. Let's go. You have to rebuild. So I just wanted to say I really appreciated uh, all my fellow panellists who, who brought together those aspects of where hope comes from, uh, to my mind. Yeah, it may seem strange to the listener that we are spending so much time on the, I guess, positive aspect of werewolf but it was a it was by intense uh, just to explain uh in my long and sordid history with the world of darkness i find that not just players and storytellers but also authors have a tendency to lean into the the horror the dour the depressing elements of games and that's by no means a bad thing you know you do need that kind of thing to make a game seem uh, seem pressing and seem uh, seem horrific, sometimes uh, traumatic to the characters. Uh, if it's supposed to be a horror game, that makes sense. But I have also found quite equally that there can be an overbearance of that kind of subject matter and very little room for moments of inspiration and aspiration. And, well, to tie it all into uh, work that we've recently done, Leith makes a very fine point about... Uh, there you go, you can have that as a ringtone as well, Leith. Uh, <laughs> Leith made, made one very fine point uh, about uh, Icons of Rage, but we've also incorporated subject matter like that into Howls of Apocalypse, which is a, another source book we funded with uh, the Apocalyptic Record Kickstarter. And as I mentioned in the introductions, uh, Hiromi and Kat uh, and myself, uh, we all wrote chronicles for that book. So, Kat, why don't you tell us a little? Kat, why don't you tell us a little about the scenario you've written for the apocalyptic? Uh, sorry, for Howls of the Apocalypse, and yeah, some of the some of the scary moments and some of the uh, optimistic points. Uh, and uh, I should note that while NDAs, of course, apply, these manuscripts have all been ap- approved by Paradox, so we are free to talk about them if I goad you into it. So go for it. Well, since you insist. So I wrote the family tale for Howl's of Apocalypse, and it picks up on a story that I wrote for the Apocalyptic Record. And it's based on one of my favourite current themes in Werewolf, which is the need for this generation of werewolves to do things differently. Because the apocalypse isn't coming, it's here. Uh, werewolves have tried hitting it with sticks for several millennia and hasn't really done much. Uh, so the family tale is about what happens after Ken's personal apocalypse, after it self-destructs fighting um, black spirals, some of whom used to be their sept mates. And it's the player characters, not responsibility, but certainly an option for them to come in and help this tribe to get its shit together. Uh, Think carefully about which voices they want to be heard and what they want the direction to be for the future. And that sounds a little bit like it's sitting around a campfire and having lots of very deep, meaningful conversations, but you will also get to climb on top of a giant totem spirit and investigate an abandoned black spiral hive, which is, of course, totally safe and totally abandoned. No concerns. I'm sure it will go well with no tragedy. How could it not? How could it not? (laughs) Just just a nice hike in the hills. Don't worry about it. Interestingly, uh, the chronicle I wrote uh, for Howls of Apocalypse is also involves some hiking, but into the mountains. 
Uh, it seems that there's always a bit of off-piece journeying in uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse. And uh, I was handling the tragic tale. Uh, as part of the outline, each of the tales had a header. So the rage tale, the family tale, and so on. And uh, the tragic tale I wanted to focus ultimately around one of the lost tribes. Uh, we went for the Croatan. Uh, though it can easily be moved uh, to a different part of the world, should you wish it, uh, to focus on a different one. And if you've been keeping up with the Onyx Path blog and how Howls of Apocalypse has been moving, it speaks. Uh, I've been speaking about a lot of the elements that have been in there and other have been added to it and uh, that are in our co-authors' chapters as well. Uh, including skull pigs, including turtle, uh, and circinous brands of cigarettes. It's a story that focuses in on the tragedy of what happens if a if werewolves go Ronin or are basically exiled as Ronin, and it starts uh, without any spoilers, following a major war uh, between set and worm entities and uh, that sept is in many ways dilapidated, decimated and the werewolves who didn't attend the battle have, by the remaining sept elders, basically been cast out regardless of their reasoning for not attending you know, some didn't attend out of cowardice some were waylaid or claimed to have been Uh, some were simply out of the territory at the time that the battle took place and the reconciliation between those werewolves and your pack and the main body of the Sept, as well as certain outside agencies that are trying to influence things one way or another, is a large part of the story because Werewolf the Apocalypse's history, time and again, uh, introduces us to moments where if the werewolves had just stopped and thought then a tragedy wouldn't have occurred. If they had attempted to reconcile, if they'd attempted to communicate, if they had attempted to make peace, then uh, the children of Gaia would have been right, and uh, our tribe may not have been lost. But that isn't the way of werewolves, and somehow breaking that cycle of rage and destroying everything around you is uh, a key element of that. So I look to Hiromi now, as uh, another one of the authors of uh, Howls of Apocalypse, uh, to talk a little about their uh, chapter. Uh, so I I wrote uh, Glass Cage, uh, which is the rage tale, uh, and fundamentally the scenario is about fury. I mean, I guess you would expect that from something called the rage tale. Uh, but it's about fury, just not just in terms of being able to unleash it and the sort of the power that you have or experience through the ability to have destruction but also when that that fury that rage is a hindrance to you uh during the course of the scenario you end up captured with the very real possibility of horrible experience happening to you uh there's other pharaoh mostly guru uh that you don't know which creates this uh, immediate dichotomy of needing to trust someone to get free, but also the fear of trusting because maybe they don't have your best interests at heart. And this this is like this constant tension of, am I going to get a knife in the back? Where's it going to come from? Am I going to get a knife in the front? Because I don't know how far through the looking glass we are. And 
as as your pack progresses and fights through and learns more about just how deep you are uh you you realize not just what's been happening and what's currently going on but how screwed you probably are for the future at the same time if you want you can create a horrendous amount of carnage and destruction and just explosions and firebombs uh or sorry fireballs it is 100% within uh you and your pack's uh ability to just scorched earth solve your problems for today tomorrow you have so so many more problems uh but you you have plenty of rage to deal with that so you you live for now and and you learn and you learn when you can really cut loose yeah very well put uh, it's a very it's an excellent chronicle for demonstrating the short-term benefits of just unleashing your rage and tearing through everybody. Obviously, it it, it ends up with you lacking information uh, if you do that. And uh, while that can be beneficial for a day, uh, a week later, you may wonder why an army is coming for you. But one thing uh, I wanted to go on to with uh, you, Michaeli, was uh, while you weren't on Howls of Apocalypse, you were a major contributor to the apocalyptic record. Uh, you may have had the largest word count out of anyone, uh, ultimately, and you also took on the very complex chapter that was the metaplot chapter. Now, I know this, this takes us a little out of the current subject, but I am interested to hear because I've not asked you, uh, and I'm sure some listeners are going to be interested too. How the hell did you go about indexing, listing, referencing to that many source books? Were you actually leafing through every single book in order to basically cr- construct your Metaplot timeline? Uh, how much of it was based on memory? And how did you choose what to include and what to not include? Uh, well, uh, the answer is probably going to be on the boring side of things because I have a literature slash humanities background, so I have studied how to make that sort of research and uh, it doesn't go, at least for how I do it, it doesn't go further than uh, skimming through all the books and taking notes as uh, you go. I went through a lot of books where I read, uh, uh, I think uh, uh, the number goes to around the 55, 60 books and took uh, notes uh, everywhere. Uh, uh, I organized things uh, going uh, for the uh, loose definition of ancient history, modern history, current history, because that helps organize things a little bit. But I basically just took a lot of notes from uh, all the books and then put them together. It's a little more of an, an interesting answer. Uh, about what I have chosen to be in there and what I did not because I couldn't physically include all the events from the werewolf in there because there was just no way for the word count. Part of it comes from uh, what P- 
people were going to expect in there, just uh, like uh, Mr. Uh, I'm totally not going to end in an ashtray Sam hate, because uh, they deserved a entry in there for Good O'Hill, uh, for example. Uh, other things, I wanted to make uh, an informative uh, chapter because there was no uh, timeline in the other books of Werewolf. I wanted to be the, for this the, to be the chapter people could refer to and have a nice and informative place to find all they could possibly need. And so the major events are there and they are explained as well as the world count allows. But I also followed what uh, I've adopted from uh, your philosophy, uh, Matthew, that uh, all the entries should uh, uh, help people come up with uh, plot hooks and stories from them for them. So I also picked, for example, from the tribe books, uh, lots of events, oh, relatively minor events from uh, the specific tribes that uh, I thought could... Uh, give interesting uh, ideas for uh, historical chronicles, for examples, and uh, stuff like that. And I also tried to not mention the storm eater at every corner because the, that uh, <laughs> it's probably my favorite antagonist from Werewolf, but that's more on the cheeky side of things. I, I just want to jump in here with my, my co-developer hat on for Apocalyptic, Apocalyptic Record and just say that you know I cannot overstate how in awe I am of the work you did on that chapter, uh, Michele. It was fantastic. And the amount of research you did for it, uh, there were elements in there that, you know, I'm probably giving away secrets here, but you brought up things that I had completely forgotten <laughs> had occurred within Werewolf. And I'm reading them going, oh, that's right. I should probably include a little note on some of the things I'm developing. So I just wanted to, to jump back in and, and, and just say my appreciation for the the work you did on it i think it really was was uh, wonderful ah, i had no idea so thank you so much for letting me know it repays the work and uh, it means a lot in thanks leaf now this is how the garo nation should be we should be sat around the campfire complimenting each other on our successful missions against the worm and the weaver and instead of just constantly raging at the world, this is where this is where the werewolves went wrong. They should be more like us. We should be the start of a new era in Werewolf the Apocalypse. No, I hate you all. <laughs> Damn it, it lasted for ten seconds. Still, that's better than the last record uh, in Garu terms. I can imagine a whiteboard right now of uh, minutes since our last uh, internecine conflict. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just imagining the, the campfire s'mores or mm. something being the, the tribe name just be like it's very are you afraid of the dark and uh, I, I submit to you the midnight werewolf society the tale of the fall of the white howlers whoosh and then we could have a bunch of Canadians playing Scotsmen Picts, sorry, Picts, uh, not the same thing as a Scot. Anyway, I'm sure there will be some Scottish listener out there who will appreciate the uh, the distinction. Um, so, uh, we are running close to time, so soon we are going to do a happy little brainstorm for the purposes of a chronicle. Uh, 
Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to turn it over to my co-panelists. No pressure. If uh, none of you can come up with anything, then uh, we will probably just edit this bit out. But as it's a round table, it shouldn't just be me asking the questions. Uh, if anyone here has anything they want to ask uh, another panelist here, or whether it's about wealth or another project, and are happy being recorded speaking about it, uh, what the fuck was going on with that book? Then, <laughs> then please speak now or forever hold it. Well, we're running close to time now. <laughs> Uh, what you won't have heard in the end <laughs> is uh, is yes a bit of roundtable action that sadly had to get cut out. But needless to say, it was worth worth a try. Uh, now, one thing I would like to ask about Werewolf before we get on to constructing our own chronicle is how Werewolf sits in the world of darkness. So something we periodically speak about on the Pathcast is crossover, and of course we delve deep into it with something like the Contagion Chronicle, Chronicles of Darkness. And Werewolf the Apocalypse, by some measures, is, and feel free to disagree, the least crossover-friendly uh, World of Darkness game, mostly because of the werewolves singular view when stereotyped of creatures that aren't basically werewolves or the herd in the form of uh, uh, humanity, and not a herd to be feasted on, but to be protected and guided. So, uh, my question I'm going to... Oh, uh, I've already got people raising their hands. I'm wondering if they're about to disagree fundamentally. So let's go to Kat first. Kat, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I see you've never had Void Engineers fight werewolves. Oh, I'm not saying that wouldn't work. I'm saying they wouldn't work together. <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs> Very similar. I, I too was going to bring up a technocracy yeah. chronicle. Uh, I do think you can also get werewolves to work together with people. I think werewolves aren't particularly good at compromise. But I think especially if you lean into werewolves having territory and having you know, people and places that they care about, Potentially having people, having mages in particular, but also potentially changelings or even ghosts who care about the same things can give you enough meat for an uneasy alliance that lasts for a couple of stories. Yeah, it often comes down to the personal rather than the existential. You know, if uh, you've got a vampire who's harping on about Cain and Nod and so on and Enoch, then a werewolf is just going to look at that vampire askance and think, what is this leech talking about? Uh, but if it's about, as you say, territory or about a mortal they uh, mutually care about, then you've actually got more reason to work together. Uh, Michaeli, I see you wanted to throw in, so go for it. Yeah, um, no, I just wanted to say that uh, when it comes to the world of darkness, uh, I'm a little more uh, lenient on this when it comes to the Chronicles because they are set up for this in a better, in a easier way, not a better way, in an easier way. In the World of Darkness, it's hard uh, in general to make crossovers uh, with the player characters from different uh, splats. So I wanted to say uh, an important thing, at least to me, that uh, in Werewolf you have the full range of changing breeds if you want to enjoy the feeling of uh, crossover uh, while uh, keeping on a set of characters that uh, 
share the same uh, worldview with its cultural differences, of course. So I'm here to stand the changing bricks, basically. Yeah, we've not spoken about them enough, those beloved Farah, how we love them, how we wish they could have more profile in the world of darkness. Uh, but you never know. One day there may come a game that uh, elevates our werecats, spiders, rats, and the rest as highly as the wolves. But I guess that game probably won't be called Werewolf. So, let's get on to building our chronicle. So, as anyone who has already listened to the Mage Roundtables, if they were released before this one, will be aware... Uh, at the end of our recording session, we come up with a chronicle concept. It doesn't have to be fully playable. Uh, it is, as McKaylee was saying earlier, a story hook, something I'm very keen on. Uh, some people like to call them plot seeds. Some would argue that those are two different things. But the point is that you, the listener, may feel inspired by what we talk about or may feel revolted and think I'm never going to play Werewolf again. Uh, let's hope it's the former and not the latter. We, we shall see. What I will do is a very simple sort of Mad Libs kind of thing. I'm going to ask for everyone to throw in a different element, and then we're going to try and put them together. So we're going to start with this chronicle is set in, and I'm about to say Leith. It's not set in Leith. Leith, where is this chronicle set? Uh, oh, look, I could play to type and say this chronicle is set in Australia because <laughs> <laughs> there are never enough Australian games and I keep trying to, to bring it out. But let's uh, let's go for something a little less traveled. This chronicle is set in uh, Central Africa. Okay, very good. And Hiromi, our primary antagonist in this chronicle is... It's hell. It's a demon from Demon the Fall. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, actually, okay, actually, we've gone crossover heavy. Our central in this chronicle I... is actually going to be a demon <laughs> from Demon the Fallen. No one would have suspected when we went into this that we would go that way, but that is where we've gone. So currently our chronicle is set in Central Africa. There is a demon at play, and what is the demon attempting to achieve, Cat? And it cannot be opening a gate to hell. Oh, shit. That is not what it's trying to achieve. Um, revolution. Revolution. Revolution, revolution. At, at a mortal governmental level or within a different society? We're going to say mortal governmental level. Okay. And, McKaylee, you've got a big question here. Why are the werewolves involved in this? Or, let's expand it, why are the changing breeds involved in this? Mm, yeah, it makes sense with the African alliances, the changing bricks. So uh, I'm just taking time by each and talking about that. I'm not really commenting on that because I have to come up with something. They are involved because uh, the demon isn't just a, a one of the fallen, but he works for the earthbound. And uh, so everything about it smells of the worm and uh, the methods and everything are just uh, wormish in that way so they ring all the alarms possible uh, for the changing rates okay yeah earthbound as we know are the well as the name implies they are the demons with the most overt effects on the world so 
We currently have a chronicle that is set in Central Africa. There is a demon at work. Uh, this demon is attempting to start a revolution. However, this demon is working in concert with or may well be an earthbound and therefore is uh, setting off all those worm-sensitive noses among the changing breeds uh, in Central Africa. And so they are looking to stop this demon. Now, I'm going to go round the table one last time. So, Leith, uh, what is going to be the internal obstacle to these uh, changing breeds, these fairer, from achieving their goal? Uh, the, it, the internal obstacle meaning, meaning what? Within their own society, uh, with their own people. Uh, something, some kind of conflict that is going to prevent them from all just marching as one to stop this demon. Okay, so the demon has been masquerading, uh, has has taken over basically the identity of a local uh, spirit that uh, many of the uh, people in the area have come to rely upon. The demon has been presenting as quite a benevolent thing, um, and the if the uh, if the pack go in and just tear it apart, they're going to disrupt everything, and you know years of famine and drought could could return. Oh, very nice. I think that answers a couple of questions all at once. So we we have this uh, this Sorry. conflict. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. Uh, so that means we do have our internal conflict, and it also, I guess, stretches to the external. This could negatively affect a lot of people. Uh, so Hiromi, I'm going to ask what totem or spirit is attempting to guide or shepherd the the pack, if you like of protagonists in this story it's a wide field available to me and for some reason um blanking on the name uh damn it one of satyrs uh like that doesn't that doesn't narrow shit down <laughs> no it, it really doesn't you have see you uh, did, did you not contribute to gods and monsters there's a lot of uh <laughs> I, I did, in fact, contribute to yes. Monsters, and it's in... And fuck it, I, I have it within reach. Let, let me look. <laughs> All right, we're going to come back to our spiritual guidance and uh, and go over to Cap. So we're nearing the conclusion of our chronicle. This demon is not operating alone. There is, of course, a mundane worm element, a mundane in uh, quotations there, uh, assisting the demon, propping them up, attempting to achieve the same thing. And while it would be easy to say Pentex, what I would like for you, Cap, is to say either a Pentex subsidiary that the demon is using as cover or is assisting him, or uh, something else, some other kind of worm servitor that is traditional to Werewolf the Apocalypse. Oh, you son of a gun, because I was going to say Pentex and leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to look at Pentex subsidiaries. I'm going to ruin your recording now. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, well, you know, not it's just perfectly fine. It's better to go into a chronicle running it, knowing what you're going to do. So Hiromi's currently looking up spirits and totems. Oh, I'm, Kat I'm is good. currently looking up Pentex. Oh, okay, Hiromi, who, who, is, who is guiding? Who is guiding our pack from beyond the veil? Okay, so, so guiding is in at least two sets of scare quotes here because it's the one that came to mind so that that's what we're left with uh trip who is named because of uh 
LSD trips. So this chronicle is going to be very psychedelic, apparently. And uh, ideally, it's it's going to have uh, epiphanies and consciousness expansion uh, while we're trying to not be smashed flat by whatever Pentex of City is coming. Okay, uh, and I would say the LSD element has certainly made things take a radical turn. Uh, Kat, I believe you've been looking up Pentex subsidiaries that may be assisting our demon. Uh, which which one is in play here in Central Africa? The thing about Pentex is it's so hard to choose just one. Well, you and... can have more than one if you like. Oh, can I? Okay, in that case, Endron Mining is the obvious one. Local interests, destructive... Uh, shitloads of money, but I think it's also fun to use Shade Inc, who are an intelligence organization and have private mercenaries, and offer you a slightly different way to fight Pentex that isn't just like wrecking shit on the ground. So use both for double the fun. Okay, Michaeli, that means uh, you end up with the wild card element. This is where you decide a random element, story beat, something that is going to turn this tale on its head. It's a big question. Uh, This is why I'm going to ramble on for a few seconds while you're thinking, while your mind is percolating, imagining the possible permutations of where this chronicle could go that would really give it a vital twist. So, McKaylee, what is the twist in this chronicle going to be? Okay, uh, uh, I really can't remember their uh, name, a specific name, but uh, there's a V20 book that introduces really ancient Gaian creatures. There's one buried in Yellowstone in the volcano that it are basically primordial spirits of the earth and uh, will give uh, this place one be buried down in the ground that Andron is uh, uh, risk, risks to awaken and uh, whereas the one in Yellowstone is basically a sentient volcano this one would case huge earthquakes but I can't remember the name uh, they're not primordials because that is, that's another game <laughs> sorry I can't pick up how, how they were called because, but it's there. Perfect. I think the uh, I think the book you're referring to is probably Shattered Dreams, and uh, the yeah yeah. So uh, this this story could radically go a bit kaiju uh, if there is a an ancient entity that can cause earthquakes buried beneath the ground, uh, and the werewolves, or sorry, the pharaoh could uh, use their power then rather than to directly tackle our demon and uh, his Pentex allies, could instead try and awaken this primordial entity to cause massive destruction, uh, which does seem like something that Gaia's champions might do rather short-sightedly. And uh, let's let's hope that whatever wakes from the Earth is not more destructive than this revolutionary demon himself. We shall see. Because now, listeners, if any of you are uh, authors for the Storytellers Vault, it is your job to uh, write this chronicle as demented as it sounds. But I think I think it sounds like a good one. Of the chronicles that we've come up with on these round tables, uh, we've now had a Mage the Ascension one that takes place exclusively in a burger restaurant. Sorry if you've not heard that episode yet. 
Uh, and uh, well, and we've had another mage, the Ascension Chronicle, set in the well. The Suez Canal is being constructed, and you've got mages gambling against each other over which ships will go through fastest, and a Taftani who is vulgarly basically pushing ships along with magic hoping that a ship will not get stuck horizontally in the Suez. So here we have something that is quite radical for Werewolf. I'm liking it a great deal. These things seem to get better and better all the time. And that's where we're going to leave it. What will happen with our Demon Chronicle, uh, sorry, our Werewolf Demon Chronicle, we shall see. I'm going to pass it over to my co-hosts now to give their social media information, promote something if they want to promote it, and uh, tell us where we can find them. So, Leith, over to you. Well, you can generally find me lurking around the Onyx Path forum, uh, the Onyx Path discords, various places like that. Uh, social media, you can find me at, at JustLeath, J-U-S-T-L-E-A-T-H. Um, and I would like to, anyone who is interested in the Trinity Continuum, uh, particularly the Aeon era, uh, I would like to point you towards Prometheus Unbound, which just came out last week. It is the big book of Psy orders and additional rules about about Psy Powers. Uh, people are loving it. I'm really excited that it's out to public, so go and check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, that book has been receiving tremendous feedback and the sales have certainly matched it. So uh, kudos to everyone who worked on Prometheus Unbound for Trinity Continuum. Now, Hiromi, uh, what about you? Where would they find you? Uh, you can find me at, at hiromi.coda uh on twitter and tiktok uh hidomikoda.com right now i have a ridiculous number of things to plug so i'm gonna try and do that really quickly mage 20 uh lore of the traditions is on kickstarter from now until uh 17th of september cthulhu awakens uh comes to kickstarter on 15 february and runs presumably for a month i don't know i'm not in charge of that uh heckin good doggos i'm unaffiliated with but it has heckin' good doggos. So, I mean, what's, what's not to like about that? Uh, that's on Kickstarter now until 19 February. Uh, Magic the Gathering, Kamigawa Neon, Gen uh, Neon Dynasty. Uh, I worked on that. Uh, it comes out uh, 11 February. Uh, Avatar Legends. Uh, I worked on Wan Shi Tong's uh, adventure book. Uh, the main book's coming out in February for ebook. I don't know when the print is coming out, and I don't know when Wan Shi Tong's adventure guide is coming out. Uh, also, lastly, I'm also not affiliated with this one, but uh, Bloody Woods uh, debut album Rock Shock is coming out in 18 February. And if you like metal and you would like to hear uh, a bunch of uh, uh, Daisy people that are Daisy guys, well, yeah, people uh, being just tremendous in terms of supporting diversity and mental health and destroying uh music with amazing just amazing metal that you, you should you should buy it it's fucking good <laughs> hiromi you may be the first person who has promoted music on this uh, podcast and i salute you for that and uh cat where would they go to find you and what have you been working on uh i dwell exclusively on twitter where you can find me as at perpetual gloom 
which is how you can spot a World of Darkness player a mile off. Uh, what am I working on? Good question, uh, Lore of the Traditions. You should go and back that. You have 17 days at the time of recording, which is probably more like 17 hours at the time of release. So go get in there. And then you should keep an eye out for Kickstarters for They Came From Classified and They Came From The Cyclops Cave, which are Onyx Path's fantastic takes on the spy and fantasy genres, respectively. Thank you. And yes, the current plan is for those Kickstarters to probably launch after Lore of the Traditions. I say Kickstarter. I don't know if it will be on Kickstarter yet. Depends on how various chips fall. But uh, yeah, do keep your eyes open for those. And Michaeli, uh, where can they find you if they want to speak to you about Cyclopes, Ancients, or other such creatures? Uh, I mostly lurk around the, shy, uh, the Onyx Path Discord, so if you show up there and uh, write something, I outside I'll try to respond whenever I feel like I am up to the task. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm not very really present around, but I, I try to do my best on the Onyx Path Discord as uh, for things to promote. Uh, Kat mentioned that uh, yeah, we'll probably have uh, the classified. They came from classified, and uh, they came from this like Zopsis Cave Kickstarter soon. So keep an eye out for that. And <laughs> we, we we did a good uh, job with those, so I think you'll enjoy that. Lovely. And you can find me on MatthewDawkins.com, on Twitter at DawkinsMP, on the Onyx Path Discord. Uh, I'm not going to promote anything that anyone else hasn't, except for the Apocalyptic Record, which can still be backed on Backer Kit. If you missed the Kickstarter, don't despair. You can still back and get a traditionally printed copy via that method. So please do. Uh, remember also that if you back on there, you will also get access to the stretch goals earlier uh, than the regular customer as far as I'm aware now uh, final thing I'm going to promote some music as well if any of you aren't familiar with a musician by the name of John Grant do seek him out it's very rare to find a musician who is also an English speaking Icelandic speaking Russian speaking polyglot but his recent album Boy from Michigan is amazing and I recommend you check it out so with that said Thank you very much to all of my panellists. Thank you very much to the listeners. Many worlds, one path first.